Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors unfortunately could not complete the double in LA just like last season, losing a game in almost identical fashion to the Clippers as they did last season in LA by a score of 105 to 100. The uh, difference here being, you know, Secondary scoring. Um, I mean, listen, um, I, I know people are going to complain about Fred and Pascal, and that's fine. I mean, you know, that's it's the game. Whatever, man. <laughs> um, but, and I'm not saying that they, they made every shot down the stretch, because that's, that's not true. But at the same time, um, what really did the Raptors in were some of the Clippers' secondary guys. You know, Marcus Morris making plays late. Reggie Jackson making plays late. Um, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, listen, Paul George also made a great play. He, he blocked Fred and hit a three on the other end. Like, that was that was pretty sick. Um, and he took a charge. So, you know, shout out Paul George, I guess. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel fine. I feel fine. I mean, first off, this game is, the, the season is done. Like, you know, Raptors are three and a half games behind Washington. Washington's red hot right now. Uh, I just watched them put like 160 on the um, on the Pacers, who apparently Pacers are turning on Nate Bjorkren. That's a uh, that's tough, man. The next coach they hire better not be named Nate, because uh, it's 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 over two for Nates at the moment in Indiana. In any case, though, three and a half games behind Washington, and um, yeah, I mean, even though they have that game coming up against Washington, even though they have the tiebreaker against Washington, I'm just not expecting that gap to be made up. And quite honestly, it doesn't really matter to me. 
Um, what matters is sort of just like taking any positives you can from the situation and just trying to extrapolate it forward. And maybe that's like an obtuse way to look at this game, but like, I mean, what do you want, man? Like, what do you want? The season got derailed and, you know, you're left with these kind of performances. And honestly, I was very entertained tonight. I I, mean, I don't imagine any Raptor fan who watched this game, you know, um, at least watched this game in a way that wasn't cynical, like, could probably say otherwise. Because, like, you knew what it was, man. Like, look at the Raptors, who they were missing tonight, man. Missing Kyle, right? Kyle just gives you, like, a legendary performance against L.A. And then he's out resting. Okay. It is what it is. Um, so you're missing Kyle. You're missing, you know, OG Ananobi, who has probably been their second best performing player over the last, you know, two, three weeks. He's out, right, with the cap thing. Recurring, apparently. So that's th- that's a little bit concerning. Um, they're missing Boucher. They're missing Gary Trent. So that's four guys right there that are double-digit scorers. And so let's see who are their replacements in terms of in the rotation. We get Stanley Johnson and Yuta Watanabe starting. Like, you literally started Yuta Watanabe and Stanley Johnson against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And listen, that's, I'm not even trying to call out Nick Nurse at all. Like, that's Those are his best options, and they did a really good job tonight. Let's not even put those guys down. I'm just saying the golf in talent and ability is wild. This, is, <laughs> this game honestly reminded me of... You know, June six or whatever, twenty nineteen, when or July six, when you, you you woke up and you saw the news that Kawhi was dipping, and then the Raptors immediately signed Stanley Johnson. And it was like, yo, the dissonance here is crazy. Like that's 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 you're really going from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, but you know, the Raptors competed. They were in this game. They played. They fought. They played hard. Second half, I thought the third quarter defensively got away from them for a little stretch there, uh, but the Raptors. You know, fought back. They were tied through three quarters, and then they just couldn't score enough in the fourth quarter. Which, listen, must be frustrating to watch. It's probably happened like what a dozen times this season. But like, that's just where it is. That's what this team is at. Like, they 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 will struggle with their crunch time scoring. I mean, it's weird because last season they had similar players, but um, they were able to score really really consistently in crunch time. Of course, that didn't really apply to the Celtics series specifically, but. If you look at the Raptors' crunch time execution laps numbers last season, they were actually quite good. Uh, this year, it's the opposite. We've really seen some poor performances. We've seen it throughout the... This is the theme of the entire road trip. You play three and a half good quarters, and then, you know, you, you get killed by that six-minute stretch. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure it's frustrating to watch. But, like, again, the Raptors had no business being in this one. Like, Fred and Pascal had to ball out to such a degree, especially Fred. I, mean, I thought Fred played a... Sensational performance. I know people are gonna, you know, crap on him again. It is, it's fine, man. It is, it is what it is. But like, I don't know how you watch that performance without, without, um, you know, what, 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 just if you watch that performance fairly, like it, Fred was sensational. He really was. Um, and they competed. They fought really hard. They came in with a strategy that they put against the Clippers last season, which was send hard double teams at Kawhi Leonard. Like literally, don't even let Kawhi take one dribble just two guys on him immediately um and then you know send help as much as possible to Paul George as well but Kawhi is definitely the number one uh priority and then rotate and try to close out against the rest of the guys now you might say it's a dangerous strategy against the Clippers who shoot the three very very well they're you know three point percentage wise I think best in the league um 
And, you know, there were a lot of times where you look at it, you're like, all right, I know the strategy is what it is, but there can't, there's no way Nick Nurse is just always completely comfortable with, like, Marcus Morris shooting a wide-open corner three. Marcus Morris was was sensational tonight. And he's a good player. He really is. Like, you know, it, it it's not even like this is necessarily out of character for him. Um, he obviously shot the ball super efficiently, but... This is the Raptors' strategy, especially against like against most teams, but especially against the Clippers. Like this is almost the exact same game the Raptors played against the Clippers last season. Where if you remember, the Raptors go into LA, you know, uh, they they shut down LeBron, shut down AD, Pascal Siakam had some great moments. Chris Boucher was in that one. You know, Rondé was stepping up. The bench guys were stepping up. They were shorthanded. Fred, you know, and Pascal sort of like willed them forward, right? And that was without Kyle, without Serge. And they win against L.A., the, the Lakers. And then they play the Clippers, and it's the same deal. They really, really fight scrap defensively. I think last time, instead of Stanley guarding Kawhi, it was Rondé guarding Kawhi. And Kawhi had, like, nine turnovers, and the Raptors held the Clippers to, like, under 90 points. But the Raptors just couldn't score themselves. And, yeah, it's kind of the same issues. It's kind of the same game. It's kind of not necessarily what you expect. So I honestly thought the Clippers would probably handle this a little bit better. But... The Raptors really fought and really, you know, um, were in this game. And even, you know, defensively, it's not like giving up 105 points to the Clippers with Kawhi and, and Paul George is is a bad thing. Like, that's a really good number to hold them to. They're a really potent offensive club. They have quite a bit of talent. Um, and the Clippers, I mean, they, they showed it, right? 52% shooting from the field, 44% from three. They only missed one free throw on the night. That's sensational. But what the Raptors were able to do was turn them turn them over 18 times. And that that really had a lot to do with the way the Raptors are competing defensively. They really got after it, man. To a man, every single player who played tonight showed great intensity. I think defensively, they can really feel proud of their effort. Um, you know, so their defensive assignments originally was Utah against Paul George and Stanley Johnson against Kawhi. Which, again, just pause for a moment. Let that marinate in your mind to think about... That is the specific matchup, man. That's 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 tough. That that really is tough, man. That's uh, that's not easy. <laughs> um, in any case, though, those guys did a really good job in their primary assignment. So that Utah really pressured Paul, got him to you know get off the three point line, get into the mid range, you know, try to drive towards the basket. And listen, you're not going to shut down Paul George. But if I told you coming into this game that PG is going to have 22 points. In, in 35 minutes, that you'd live with that, right? Like, if, you know, and if I told you Kawhi Leonard only took the, took six shots, you would live with that, right? And, yeah, I thought those guys did a really good job. I think the Raptors competed really hard. When the ball got swung into the corners, that's when they got hurt. You know, whether it was Marcus Morris, whether it was Reggie Jackson at, at the top of the floor, uh, Pat Beverly made some threes. Like, you know, when the, when the Clippers started moving the ball, they were actually uh, pretty getting pretty decent results. The, the issue is the Clippers don't really have that much natural ball movement. And so I think that's probably what Nick Nurse was betting on as well, was that some of these guys weren't really able to throw the great passes. And listen, we watched a great season of Kawhi. We watched probably the best season of Kawhi's uh, career and probably the best you know season that any Raptor has ever played in a Raptor uniform. And of course, it's just one year. But you, we, we got to see what Kawhi does, right? And listen, as much as Kawhi is great at everything in, in the game of basketball, everything... The one thing you would say is that his passing is still a little bit... It, it, the only thing that's close to average in Kawhi's game is his passing. Everything else he does on an elite, exceptional level. And there were times today when you saw Kawhi dro- drive into traffic, two guys jump, throw some passes, and some of those were picked off. And it's not like Kawhi getting double teams was the main reason why the Clippers torched the Raptors. A, the Raptors didn't get torched by the Clippers. 
But B, like Kawhi had five assists and and three turnovers. Like you take that any day of the week. You take Kawhi with five assists, even if you just played him straight up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the Raptors competed really hard. I, and I think again, Utah gave his best effort. Stanley gave his best effort. Ken Birch, you know, was really really active on the on the rebounding front. A lot of I know it only says eight rebounds, but like a lot of those were like very very heavily contested rebounds, key defensive rebounds where you know you're collapsing, you're doubling, so you're a little bit out of rota- out of position defensively um, to rebound. But he's really jumping up high and like you know tipping balls out of like Zubach's hands or like Reggie Jackson's hands or Paul George's or Kawhi's hands. I mean, I mean he's board man. Like he's gonna get some rebounds, but. The Clippers as a whole only got four offensive rebounds. Like, I thought the Raptors did a really good job in that front. When they needed help, Fred Van Vliet was often there. Honestly, Fred was switching, and he did a really good job of just, like, getting under Kawhi, getting under Paul George. Don't remember many possessions of those guys scoring on Fred, just even on an island. Um, but Fred also coming over and helping, you know, the strips, the steals, especially against Zubak, at least two times where Zubak had a guaranteed layup, and Fred just appeared out of nowhere and just stripped the man. Same thing with Cousins. Um... And they were competing. And then Pascal, his obviously, he expended a lot of energy offensively, but was also trying to do his best defensively as well. So you really can't really hate on any of that. And I thought the Raptors got some solid production off the bench. You know, Freddie Gillespie outplayed DeMarcus Cousins, which, I mean, that's not bad. That's honestly not bad. I mean, listen, this is obviously, the Cousins has not really been very productive for, you know, two, three years now since his unfortunate injuries. But, like, you know, I mean, Freddie Gillespie played him really well, man. Uses athleticism to his advantage, uses energy to his advantage. Uh, you know, if Cousins obviously a very physical player. Freddie, you know, gave that right back to him. Um, Freddie finishing layups over Cousins a few times. Um, obviously, defensively, Cousins is not really there. I mean, we saw that in the 2019 Finals, man. Um, like, Marcus Gasol had 20 points on this guy. And 20 for Marcus, like... 60 for any other guy, honestly. <laughs> we should, there, should, there should have been JB in the postgame holding a 20, 20 written on a piece of paper for, for for Mark with the way he was scoring. But in any case, though, like I thought Freddie gave them some good minutes. Jalen Harris came in and gave them some great minutes. Mr. We the North. I mean, listen, shout out Jalen. He probably knows that running back is recorded on Wednesdays and that me and Alex were going to be recording. And so we needed content. And obviously our favorite player is Jalen Harris. And he came in and gave us great production. Um, you know, 11 points, didn't miss a single shot, 4-4 four, four from the field, 3-3 three, three from 3. Um, yeah, I mean, three catch-and-shoot threes, including one in the fourth quarter, uh, one to end the third quarter of an inbound play where everyone was overloading to Fred, and Jalen was open in another corner. Good pass by Malachi, good recognition by Malachi, not getting stuck in that one pass and finding the open man there. And then Jalen had a, a finish at the basket, too, in traffic, and transition. You know, got up of the rim, you know, got the ball up at the basket, and it bounced in. So, like, a nice shift for Jalen. And, like, you know, I think there was generally enough there. I think it really just came down to, like, defensive, like offensively, at the end, they just struggled to get generate shots. And, again, that's the game. So, it's fair to judge them on the game. And it's totally fair to say the Raptors don't have the best closers in the world, or that the Raptors severely lack closers. I think those are both fair statements based on what we've seen this season. The patterns are there. Having said that, though, if you already know this, and if you already believe this to be true, I just don't really see the point in bashing these players for not doing what you believe them not to be able to do. And, you know, like, if you look at Fred, for example, late in the game, obviously defenses are going to, you know, lock in, right? Fred VanVleet was going up against Paul George all night. 
all night. He got Paul George many times. If I told you Paul George is going to be guarding Fred VanVleet and that you have three starters that you don't need to guard in Utah, in Stanley Johnson, and Ken Birch, and the Clippers did not guard those guys, especially late in the game. And that Paul freaking George, an all defensive player, many times over, six foot nine, athletic, quick like a cat, uh, long as hell, very very competitive, going up against Fred VanVleet defensively. How do you think that's gonna go most of the time? And the fact that Fred had twenty seven points and thirteen assists is already ridiculous to me. So like, yeah, in, in late in the game, Fred's gonna struggle against Paul George. Like, yeah, no, you know, like obviously. Man, like, what do you think, yo, if you honestly think Fred could consistently score on Paul George in, like, the most crunch, crucial positions in the game with help defense all over the place, because there's, again, three of the five players you don't need to guard, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're just making bad, you're just, you're just expecting things that aren't going to happen, right? And the same thing with Fred, with, with Pascal. Pascal's getting guarded by Kawhi Leonard. You know Kawhi, you, you know Kawhi, right? Like, you know Kawhi, right? You know what he can do defensively. We saw I mean, obviously, I don't even need to say that, right? So he's getting guarded by Kawhi, and then there's like three more defenders right behind him because, again, no one needs to guard Utah. No one needs to guard Stanley. No one needs to guard Ken Burge, quite honestly, right? That's what Pascal was going up against. Now, of course, you can say there were mistakes. You know, Fred made, missed some shots late, or he got blocked once. To be honest, man, the, the screen wasn't the greatest, and also, like, that's just a great defensive play. There's nothing, like, it's not like, yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just overreacting to some of the reactions I see online, but, like, it's just frustrating to me. Like, what do you expect to happen when you see that happen? Like, do you really expect them to win some of these close games? And maybe, look, the frustration is there, and that's fine. And I, it's, not, it's not like I haven't felt those same feelings. It's, I, I don't. I just don't feel them about this game. It just doesn't make sense to me that people will be upset um, about this in particular. But in any case, if you want to say, yeah, Pascal made a mistake late in the game... You know, it was a, first off, Pascal, great double, right? Flash double against Pas- against uh, Kawhi, who got stuck in the post, threw a bailout pass. You know, Pascal turned Kawhi over. And there was a split second there where he might have been able to throw a hit-ahead pass to Cam Birch, who was like a step a- ahead of the play. Although Cam would have had to take at least two dribbles and finish at the basket. You know, it's not like a guarantee. In any case, so that would have been the, the right play. If you could just freeze it and you can just read that play in that specific moment and then go back into time and then hit play. Like if you had the matrix, like, yeah, Pascal probably would have made that pass. But he chose not to. He kept on to the ball and he drove it into the lane and Paul George took a charge. Now, granted, I have to say to me, Paul wasn't fully set. He was in position. Uh, so he was still getting into position. And upon review, I was surprised that they just instantly said that that's a charge. But that's fine, right? It, it's not the greatest read. I'm not even trying to absolve Pascal of that. But it's just like, again, what do you expect him to do in this situation? I think, honestly, the problem really comes down to the front office. Like, they need to find specific players that can help them close these games. Because it, it, I think it really is a special skill set to be able to close late games, right? Like, you really do see it, right? And... You know, while some of these results are self-inflicted, I think especially with Pascal, he's made self-inflicted mistakes, right? Missing a finger roll against the Timberwolves at the right, right at the basket, literally no defense, right at the basket. That's self-inflicted. Uh, the double dribble against the Knicks, self-inflicted. This game, the charge at the end, somewhat self-inflicted. Although I would have to say that's also a really good play by Paul George. Um, 
you know, that's fine, right? But, like, realistically, if you look at Pascal's skill set, is he the kind of guy where you give the ball to Michael Jordan or Kobe at the end of the game or Kawhi at the end of the game and just say, go get me a bucket. You can beat two, three defenders. No. No. And, like, I just don't feel like he's... I feel like he's getting put into position to fail. And same thing with Fred as well. So, you know, it it is what it is. Like, uh, obviously... You know, I'm not trying to say that it's invalid to, to, to be frustrated or that it's invalid to criticize these guys. But, like, you know, at, at some point when you do this over and over and over again, like, what you, what's clear is that the front office needs to bring in pieces to help them facilitate some of this stuff. Probably to have more guys on the floor who are threats offensively, more playmakers on the floor offensively, so that maybe it's not necessarily like you give the ball to Kawhi and space out, but... You have multiple guys who are able to contribute or maybe be more cohesive. Um, offensively, you know, Marcus Gasol was in a lot of these late game scenarios. Serge Ibaka was in a lot of these late game scenarios last season. Those guys are able to chip in, you know, with with their kind of offense. Maybe you need some more of that balanced scoring in the in 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 the paint as well, where you can sort of have an outlet. In any case, they didn't get the job done. I'm not necessarily surprised, to be honest. My surprise in this game comes from how hard they competed in this game and how pa- well Pascal and Fred did throughout the course of the game. Because again, they they made legitimately fantastic plays. They didn't get it done in the end, but, you know, that's the story of the season. <laughs> it really is the story of the season. So, I just I just find it, like, a little bit cynical to get on these guys for it. Um, in any case, though, like, it was um, it was a fun watch. It really was a really enjoyable game to watch. I love the competitiveness. I love the moments, obviously, to, to be reunited with any of those 2019 champions. Um, to see Serge Ibaka wearing his leather uh, jacket. You know, with a bucket hat, uh, it was it was great. Honestly, like obviously Serge was going to bring the art as as you would know. And yeah, it was a little painful to see Serge like celebrating threes and stuff like that on the bench. You know, Paul George hit a big one late in the game to make it five, and you know the camera pans over to Serge and he's putting the threes up, and I'm like, ah, oh, that 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 hurts. But like, I mean, I mean, listen, these are guys you can't help but love. Like even even though me and Alex will joke all the time about how. You know, Kawhi ruined the dynasty, and he literally left a three-peat um, to do nothing with the Clippers. Uh, like, it, it's it's always going to be love with these guys. And it's great to see them at the end of the game, you know? Like, seeing Serge come over and, and, and smile with OG, and seeing Kawhi, you know, chop it up with, with Fred and Pascal, and, you know, you know uh, Nick Nurse talking before the game about how still stays in touch with Jeremy Castleberry and, like, checks in with Kawhi and Serge and, you know, they got a mutual respect and all this other stuff. Like, I think when you go through something like that, like, it's such a great bond that they were able to build. It's like a lifetime kind of thing. And I think it supersedes anything that, like, um, you you form in the, in the temporary, right? Like, in the day-to-day, whatever, like, you know, these are people that you work with and, you know, they're not here all the time and it sucks that you don't get to see them anymore because, you know, they made choices to do other things, but... Like, I don't think that moment can ever be taken away from any of those people. And I think that probably the same applies for fans, too. Like, you know, years from now, we're going to forget this weird Tampa season um, where, like, every single bounce went against the Raptors. Um, and what we'll remember very fondly is, like, those moments that touched your heart the deepest. And Kawhi and, and Serge and we just saw Mark, you know, and, and you know, Pascal, Kyle, Fred. Oh, uh, I guess Ochi wasn't part of that championship run. That's you know, but like seeing Norm and you know Danny Green occasionally, like who am I missing? I guess that's it, right? Yeah, like it's um, it's great to see. It really is, man. And um, 
it makes you nostalgic. It really does. I think it's a real big difference um, sometimes. And it, it can get a little bit sad, but at the same time, like, that one championship was, like, was so much joy, and it's something that you, you could savor forever, like, for, for real. Like, you could savor that forever. And, um, yeah, in terms of this game, in terms of the other minor things, to go from, like, talking about championship to talking about very minute things, um, I thought Malachi really struggled again. Uh, disappointing in the two games against L.A., he shot 0 for 10 in the two games with one point. Today, he split a pair of free throws. Um, I just didn't really see a lot of aggressiveness from Malachi. And listen, he's been playing a lot with the bench, so that's tough. But like in the Laker game, I thought he got some decent looks, but he missed them uh, and ultimately got benched for Bembry. Today, got benched outright because the Raptors needed more size in the starting lineup, which is smart, by the way. Reggie Jackson 6'4". But then afterwards, you got Paul George at shooting guard, Kawhi at, at the at the three, and then Marcus Morris at the four. Those three guys are all 6'8". And then Zubak, who's like a legit 7-footer. You need size. So, you know, Nick Nurse decided to dish the two-point guard thing and go with the bigger lineup. And I thought defensively, the, F, the results, you know, speak for themselves. I really think the Raptors starters guarded quite well. Um, but Malachi wasn't really able to impact off the bench. Now, granted, he was playing with like all bench lineups. But there just wasn't that steadiness, and you, you would hope that he could take his experience from the starters to go to the bench and, and elevate that unit. But I also don't want to hold it against him either, because I don't think any player has done that for the Raptors this season. Maybe aside from Chris Boucher, but like, who, which other player has consistently performed off the bench? You know, when, when um, Gary Trent had a you know really fantastic start with the starting group, he goes to the bench, and he's suddenly just missing everything, right? Norm was awesome as a starter, as a bench guy, was terrible. Like, he was really bad this year off the bench. Um, and pretty much the same goes for all these other guys. I just think that there isn't really any chemistry at all with that bench group, and there's not a lot of confidence as to what they want to do. But in any case, um, I'm slightly disappointed with Malachi, just because I think I have pretty high expectations now, man. Listen, he just came off winning Rookie of the Month uh, for the Eastern Conference in April for Malachi. He averaged 13 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, shot the ball really well from three and yeah I mean listen but part of that was Lamelo was injured um which happens but at the same time like I think Malachi really did perform really well for that month so I really do want to see him sort of maintain that in a way especially if he could do it off the bench um because the Raptors really do need that main playmaker off the bench and I think Flynn has the ability to do it he just hasn't done in the last two games maybe the size of both the Clippers and the Lakers because those are two huge teams maybe that affected them um, but in any case, you know, I, I you know, would have wanted to see more from Flynn. Uh, I like Freddie Gillespie. I like the fact that he's really strong and patient in the post. Like, I'm always worried he's going to get called for a three-second violation. Because he'll just, like, catch the ball and then wait. And just wait an extra beat. Almost like Kyle Anderson in a way, although they're obviously very different players. Um, shout out Kyle Anderson for Asian Heritage Month, by the way. Uh, that, that's right, look it up. In any case, uh, <laughs> yeah, Freddie Gillespie would just wait, and he's very patient. And then, you know, he's got the left hook, which is great. I mean, you know, and Nick Nurse, I asked Nick after the game, like, uh, is Freddie Gillespie left-handed or right-handed? And, you know, he, Nick said he, he writes with his left, but he bowls with his right, and then he shoots left uh, hooks with his left, and so, you know, he eats with his right. I don't know. He, he, he's, he must be ambidextrous. In any case, though. I like what Freddie's been doing in the last few games here. I think, especially against teams with a lot of size, uh, you're going to need Freddie. You're going to need him to, to 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 do his job. And today he did his job quite well against Cousins, who, you know, even though Cousins is very diminished, he's still a very skilled player. And I thought Freddie playing him to an even is 
pretty nice, man. Um, and Ken Birch, I think he got into some foul trouble. Uh, didn't really impact his minutes too much. Zubak is a tough assignment for him because he's so big. Um, that, so it's a little bit harder for him to start to sneak around these guys. And I think without as much spacing on the floor, because Utah's not a threat and Stanley's not a threat, um, there's less space for Birch to just roll unimpeded to the basket. So there weren't as many like lob plays for him, but he made a couple of nice plays. I think the little hook shot is really, really useful. I like seeing that, especially as a counter, especially when defenses are really dropping back into the paint. You kind of need your big man to hit a couple of those floaters because that's probably what's available to them when they cut, when they roll. And Birch has shown pretty good touch on those. He's he's made a decent number. Of course, I wish he made you know both of those against the Jazz, which uh, unfortunately didn't go in as the Raptors went cold. But it is what it is. So. <laughs> Yeah, Stanley and Utah did a good job defensively. I think Utah's length um, got around screens well against Paul, just put a lot of pressure on him. And then Stanley, his strength, I mean, we've seen him shut down Kawhi before. And it's not like one-on-one he's shutting down Kawhi like Kawhi was like three for 16 or something. But um, yeah, Stanley just using his strength to limit Kawhi from getting to his spots. Like Kawhi is like, as you guys, as we all very, very clearly know, it's like the strongest, <laughs> he's one of the strongest dudes in the NBA. Like at least top 10, like at, at minimum top 10. And I'm putting them with other positions too, man. Like, but Kawhi, uh, Kawhi is strong as hell. Remember when he drove into Kavon Looney and literally broke this man's rib? Like, he literally drove into another player and broke his rib just on a regular basketball play. He he, he snapped him like a bionicle. Um, yeah, and Stanley was right there to match Kawhi. Took him away from his spots. Good pressure. Good uh, good aggressive defense all night. And yeah, it just wasn't enough, but. Again, what do you really expect, man? If you, honestly, if you thought Fred and Pascal could go up against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and consistently deliver in crunch time with no help around them, I, I don't know what to say, man. It just it is what it is, you know. The, unfortunately, there are, there's realities of life. Some people are more privileged than others. Some people are given more opportunities than others. Some people are better off than others. It is what it is, man. The Clippers have some real premium talent, you know. It is what it is, so. Uh, in terms of your three stars from this game, I'm going to give Fred the first star, 27 points, 13 assists, and 41 minutes, two steals, a block as well, you know, hit five threes. Could have got to the free throw line a little bit more. I got to say, the, the, the whistle was not blown much for either team, so I don't mind. I mean, listen, you, you, you know, I, th- I think the Raptors wanted to play more physically defensive anyway, so that's fine. But, um, yeah, Fred had a, a few empty drives there where I thought he probably could have gotten a foul call once in a while, but... It, you know, 13 free throws on both sides. I don't want to complain too much about it. I thought Fred was great. Pascal is going to get my second start. 24 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals. Yes, the mistake at the end stands out. And yes, this must be frustrating to watch it happen like 6 times. You know, and it's it's fine. But like, over the course of the game, Pascal played very well. Very well, very well. And in a difficult matchup, uh, got his buckets in the mid-range, got to the basket, uh, drew some fouls, played good defense. Yeah, yeah I, I wish he made that play at the end, I, you know, but it is what it is. And then in terms of your third star, um, I'm going to give that to Jalen Harris, man. Listen, he's the Gerald Henderson Award for the other team right now. If there's like a Clippers version of me, like a knockoff version, um, which honestly, Steve Ballmer loves copying the Raptors so much, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, in any case, um, yeah, Jalen Harris would be the Gerald Henderson Award winner for the Clippers, and he's the third star tonight. 11 points. The perfect 4-4 shooting off the bench is great. I mean, to be honest, I expect nothing from him at the moment, so to get something is great. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's 
yeah, found money at this point. Um, also, by the way, if you if, if I haven't heard a Jalen Harris interview since like watching like G League games and also like preseason. Um, but this guy says yes, sir, to every single person. He he is very very kind, very very polite, and yeah, he just loves saying yes, sir. Um, in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, that's got to go to Marcus Morris Senior. Twenty two points, six rebounds, two assists, a steal, but most importantly, eight of eleven from the field, four or five from the three, and largely all on jumpers, which is very impressive. This guy was very very. Uh, accurate with his shooting, and he's a he's a good shooter. There's no doubt about that. It's been multiple seasons of him doing this. Uh, last year he was good with the Knicks too before he got traded. But yeah, he was uh, he couldn't miss. So it is what it is. The Raptors uh, lose the game. You know, in terms of the playing seed, I don't even think about it. I just really um, want the Raptors to be healthy and sort of finish out the season and and show something here. And you know. I think Fred said it best, man. You just try to take the positives and go. Obviously, this season is not going to happen for the Raptors. Um, but, you know, it does make me kind of excited to see next season because I do see some tangible spots where they are showing growth. And I'd be very, very hopeful that the situation in Toronto clears up and that, um, you know, the border is open again so that they can safely play and they, we can safely, you know, root for this team again. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Subscribe to the Raptors Reaction Newsletter if you haven't already. And, um, yeah, I'll be back the next game where the Raptors play the Washington Wizards, who are rolling right now. But, I mean, let's be real. Raptors probably going to compete for three quarters and then lose in the end. You know the drill by now. So, thanks for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.